Hi everybody, my name is Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello everybody. Here we go. Merry Christmas, Happy Thanksgiving. It's kind of a tweener Sunday, right? Uh, I actually didn't even know this was the first Sunday of Advent, and um, yeah, I, I knew it about a month ago, but prior to that, I'm like, oh, what's going on? It's great to see you. I am so thankful for you, and I loved your response to the 30 animals outside. It makes me want to ride a donkey on Christmas Eve into the sanctuary. Yeah, we could make that happen. That would be great. Hey, because we're uh, kind of tweener between the holidays, I want you to see a quick video, and it reminds me of how easy it is to take things for granted that we should be thankful for and can be thankful, especially living in the West. Watch this video. It was produced, wait, it was produced by a church a year ago. Within a week, it went viral and had over 5 million views, and it just reminds me I take so much for granted. Watch this. <laughs> I'm alive! I'm alive! Uh, Hey, Christine! You're here too! I love you! I know! Dad! What's happening? Uh, Honey, the power works! It's coming! It goes on and off! Whatever we want! (laughs) We've got clean water! Oh, that's great. Look at that. Ooh. I bet I know what this does. Bring down the glorious water. Ah, shoes. Oh, what do we got here, guys? Food. Mm. I love food. What? I have work? This is awesome. Look at him. The what? Jack, be careful! Ooh. I have a car! Did you guys see this? Yeah, you have a car! Oh, a car! <laughs> and don't forget your coffee! You're the best. Where we're going all Advent season is we're going to go, because maybe you're sitting there going, well, that's great, but actually I look around my circumstances, I'm actually not that thankful. And we're going to go through, uh, kind of tour the area when Jesus was born all over the Roman Empire and look at obstacles to hope and obstacles to gratitude and how Jesus was better than all of that and can actually bring hope, okay? So let me pray for us. We're going to dive in. Grab your message notes. If you have a Bible, either turn it on or open to Isaiah chapter 9 and we'll dig in there. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this time and thank you for a time to dig into your word. We pray that you would delight in our hearts as we dig in, regardless of where we are, regardless of circumstances, speak to us. You're that kind of God. And I pray you would. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So maybe you're sitting here and you hear Tony's energy. I was feeding off that or Tabitha's energy or our excitement. And you go, gosh, Gary, what planet are you living on? 
Uh, have you read the home pages lately? I mean, really be thankful and have hope. Have you not read of racial tension going on in our country around the world, of hurricanes, of fires, of mass shootings? Have you not read of mistreatment of women around our country and new headlines and accusations coming out or the refugee crisis? And don't even get me started on the 49ers, right? <laughs> How can we be thankful? It seems at times the darkness is winning. You ever feel that way? I, I this week, was with my family um, away, and as I have five girls. You should know that for this story. And, um, you know, as another accusation came out of, of groping and what have you, I just thought, oh. it just hit me so hard. And I just thought, is any man treating a woman honorably these days? And it just struck me. Like, I just felt like for a split moment, the darkness is winning. Uh, if Christmas is anything, it's a statement to the world from God. This darkness will not last. Can you repeat that with me? This darkness will not last. That's what we're going to look at throughout all Christmas season. And to show areas where the Roman Empire or Israel was filled with darkness and God said, that's not the end of the story. I love that. I love that. And this morning we're going to actually go 700 years before Christ and look at that. But to make this really stick with you, it's got to be personal. So on page one, there's a space there for you to reflect. Where does it feel like in your life, in your character, relationally, circumstantially? Uh, it could be a headline like I announced or mentioned. Where does it feel like the darkness is winning in or around your life? Take a moment and identify that. And I want you to hold on to that throughout this uh, message. I'll be honest with you, this is my favorite prophecy and favorite Christmas passage in all the Bible. But it has a context that we often forget. And look at verse 2. Uh, it's on your message notes, but it will also be on the screen. It's actually not in your message notes. It is on the screen. It was read for us. Look at this. Speaking of darkness, the people, and this was written 700 years before Jesus came. Darkness is just part of the human condition. Look what it says. The people walking in what? Come on, it's an open book test. People walking in. Okay, can I just say something? Uh, my buddies are here. Uh, they treated me to the Notre Dame-Stanford game last night. I was blown away, and this is what I was blown away by. This was a nationally televised game, two Heisman Trophy candidates playing against each other, some huge ramifications on the line, and the Stanford fans were just dead. I was going, there is no home field advantage here for Stanford. Sometimes I feel like that can be my experience in church. I'm not putting this on you. I'm not. No shame. And we are before the God of the universe worshiping. And we get to live in the, the living word of God. Like that video, I just go, that guy was grateful for little things. It was like, what a, wow, light. And so let's be that way, okay? This morning, we have the word of God. And we don't fear persecution like a majority of our brothers and sisters around the world. We get an artificial climate in here. No one's getting rained on. We get to open the word. So let's really dig in and steward this time. Okay? Amen? Amen. 
Okay, so look what it says. The people walk in, and just spread the word with Stanford. Like we have something to cheer for, okay? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of what? Deep darkness. A light has dawned. You might go, what people? What light? What darkness? I want to take you through just how to study your Bible. You can do this on your own, okay? What do you pay me for anyway? You can read this yourself and study this. And what you do is you start by saying, what did this mean originally? And what are the principles that apply to my life, in our case, 2,700 years later? So I want to take you through a problem because all of us face problems. Is anyone problem free here today? Yeah. Then there's a promise, and the promise is a person. And like Tabitha pointed out, that is the best part of Christmas, the person of Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. So let's look at that. Let's look at the problem. Come with me 700 years before Christ, halfway around the world. Back up to Isaiah chapter 8 in your Bibles, verse 21. Isaiah 8, 21. Let's look at the problem. Look at the times this amazing Christmas promise came on the people. Distressed and hungry, they will roam throughout the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged. And here's the human condition, right? We want to blame somebody. Looking upward, they curse their king. And then they curse their God. And then they look towards the earth and they only see distress and darkness and fearful gloom. Let those words sit on you right now. Much of our city, that's their experience. Maybe some of you here, that's your experience, distress. You have, as Tabitha talked about, your 3.30 in the morning moment. It's dark. There's gloom. They'll be thrust into outer darkness. What's going on here? Uh, this was written at a time when Israel was invaded by a ruthless terrorist army called the Assyrians. We actually know how terrorizing they were through some of the ancient um, uh, drawings that we've brought up. Look at this one. That's an Assyrian. Oh, can you go back, bro? An Assyrian put in a, a single-handedly taken on a lion. That's how strong they were. They wanted to put that out before the people. Or they rampage people. They didn't just overtake a country. They terrorized a country. And in that day, 700 years before Christ, in Israel, the people of Israel felt like, with good cause, the darkness was winning. They looked at their home pages and their headlines, and all they said was the darkness was winning. Where is God? Or they blamed the government. It's Trump's fault. It's Obama's fault before that. Then it was Bush's fault when he was in power. We're good at that kind of stuff. What is going on here? We want to blame, right? But if we can't blame a human person, we curse God. Where are you? Where were you when? I counted on you. I needed you. How could that happen? We curse God. Everyone look right here. Here's the good news. God doesn't curse back. He blesses. He promises. Let's go to that promise. Look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. I love this. In the context of darkness and cursing, there's this word, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. But in the future, look at this, he will honor Galilee of the nations. That's the region 
we're Israel that we know, we're Jesus Rome. But then God gets even more specific and gives this cryptic text by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. My daughter showed me, she was in the other service, but she has Snapchat. She says, Dad, you know what you were talking about with the promise? Look at this. And she pulled up on her screen through Snapchat of the location of all her friends all over the world that are online with their emojis all over the world. And we just went around the world. She could pinpoint their location. Her friend's in Hawaii right now. She has a lot of friends around here. And she zoomed out and she's like, oh look, Annie's downtown having boba. And Annalise is over here. And I'm like, oh my gosh. What God's doing in this verse is doing the exact same thing. He's dropping a tag or whatever you call it or sharing the location of the future Messiah. And he uses this this cryptic line that we don't know anymore called the way of the sea. Look at this map of Israel. The way of the sea was the main trade route that went east to west. That everybody, there's only one highway of the day. It was the way of the sea or called the Via Maris. And the way of the sea got really narrow where the Sea of Galilee was on the east, the Mediterranean was on the west. And you need to know this was the covetous land right through Israel during Jesus' day and long before. As a matter of fact, they have dug up ancient ruins of tons of different cultures and civilizations at that very spot because everyone wanted control over that narrow portion of land. Still do. Israel still. I mean, imagine being surrounded by guns and bombs, that country. Everyone wants Israel. Well, in that specific portion I was reading this week, one historian said, next to Rome... There was no more strategic place in the ancient world than the way of the sea. 700 years before Christ, a promise comes that from that very land, then the way of the sea where it gets the narrowest, hope will come to shatter the darkness. At the core of the way of the sea is that city, Capernaum. I circled it. It's about as technological as I get right there. Isn't that good? That was the, that was the core of the ministry of Jesus Christ. This blows my mind. 700 years facing utter darkness, God through Isaiah prophesies that at this very point, in other words, like my daughter with Snapchat, I will share the location of the coming Messiah. So we have a problem, we have a promise Now, here's what I want to camp out on for the rest of our time together. Who is this person who gives hope? Who is this Jesus that we celebrate? Who is this Jesus that we hold on to when all our circumstances betray the goodness of God, or many of them? Let's look. Turn to page two in your notes if you're not there already. Let's look at this person of Jesus Christ. Here comes that verse I brought it to you before that carries us through. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This verse, more than any other verse, has shaped my prayer life, and I want to encourage it to shape yours, not just this Christmas season, but throughout your life. As I think of praying over my home, praying over our city, as I pray over some of you, I have prayed these titles, these characters of Christ over you. Let's walk a little slowly now and build out this Christ child. Let's look at the first one. 
the person, the wonderful counselor, the wonderful counselor. In other words, he guides me. Wonderful counselor is actually two Hebrew words put together. One means miracle worker or wonderful, literally F-U-L-L. The second word means to advise, to consult, to guide. In other words, the promise is this person will be a miracle working guidance device person for your life. Unlike any you've ever experienced, you will get guidance from this coming Messiah that you can't get from any other counselor. I am a big fan of counseling. I would not be the husband I am without counseling. I would not be the dad I am without counseling. I wouldn't be the human being I am without counseling. I believe in counseling. But there's counsel that Jesus gives that no person can give. And here's the best part. You don't have to pay 200 bucks an hour for it. It's incredible. That's what God's bringing out here. What makes Jesus' counsel so wonderful? Embedded is the biblical idea of, of this counselor as a careful listener and a clear advisor. He listens and advises. Being fully human, he empathizes with the human condition. Being fully God, he knows your whole life. He knows what you need. He knows what you need right now because he sees your life 10 years from now. And so he guides you in ways by faith, even through pain, because he knows you need that right now. Because 10 years from now, you won't be who he called you to be without having this in your life right now. Does that make sense? Uh, the book of Hebrews builds this out when it's talking about Jesus, and it says this. I love this. We don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness. I love that. God's not up there going, really? Really, Gadini? You did that again? Come on. Really, Gadini? You struggle in this area? Really? I went to the cross for that. Give me a break. So many people think that's who God is. It's not who he is. He empathizes. He en literally entered into the human condition so we could feel the full spectrum of what you're feeling. But we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he didn't sin. So what do we do with that? Oh, the author of Hebrews says, here's what you do. Approach God's throne of grace with confidence so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In other words, God says, you know what? I'm giving you what you need to be guided. I'm giving you my presence through my Holy Spirit. I'm giving you my word, and I'm giving you a community of faith. I got to tell you, I've raised my kids in this community. Uh, it has been amazing to be given grace, to receive grace, and to give grace away. The guidance I get gathering together with the church, digging into God's word, hearing from God, it's unlike anything you'll ever experience on earth. He is a wonderful counselor. Well, not only that, look at this. It goes on. It gets better. He is a mighty God. He is a mighty God. In other words, he rescues you. Are any of you facing circumstances that are beyond you? Okay, I will testify. I am facing circumstances beyond me. I am facing things I cannot humanly get my way out of. There are challenges in my life I can't control. There's character in my life I can't overcome. I need someone outside of me to rescue me. If I was so good and didn't need a savior, I'd be better by now. I'd, I'd get over the stuff that I'm dealing with. 
I can't do it on my own. Literally in the Hebrew, mighty God means this. I love this. You ready? Hero God. Hero God. That's literally what it talks about here. Uh, this aspect of God's nature exponentially increases hope. See, because earthly counselors can only go so far, but they can't really change your life. That's on you. Uh, we run a swim tennis fitness center for 3,400 people across the bridge, right? And as good as it is, group power, spin classes, the fitness classes, the weight room, the cardio room, those machines don't change your life. You engaging with those machines change your life or your body. Do you know 24-hour fitness sells 50% over their capacity of memberships? Because they know half the people that buy a fitness membership will never show up. Buying a membership in 24-hour fitness won't change your life. Showing up will. And what this brings out is this. Everyone, do I have your attention? God's not just going to counsel you. Are you ready? Are you ready? He's going to show up. I love this verse in Philippians chapter 3. Look at it. It's in your notes. For God is working in you. The tense there is really what it means is God is continually working in you. What's he doing? He's giving you the desire. See, this is internal. From inside out, he's giving you the desire to please him and the power to do what pleases him. God actually changes desires. He's that strong. You know what this tells me? No one is beyond the reach of prayer and power. No one. That's why this guides my life. I'll, I'll play my cards. We are living in perilous times. The Lord bless them prayers. That's not working anymore for my children. I got to pray these kind of scriptures over my life and over their lives, and over my neighbor's lives, over our city's lives, over our staff's lives, over your lives. Because God bless them. It's just kind of this, it's, it's, it's good, it's sincere, but we got to pray these scriptures and call on the mighty God to show up, the wonderful counselor to show up, and then it gets better. We pray to the everlasting Father. That's who came to earth. The everlasting Father. In other words, God is always present for you. He's never too busy. This title touches on a universal need, and I know I'm going to touch a nerve here, but I'm going, to, I'm going to just be bold with it because God put it in all of our hearts. There is a father need within each one of us. Each one of us. That no human father can adequately meet. Uh, in my life, the number one uh, value in our family was this. Family's always there for you. Family's always there for you. And my dad lived that out in ways he didn't live with my other siblings. I remember when I was nine years old and I was playing first base in Little League up in Novato. And uh, we were on defense and I was out in the field and the guy cracked a shot to the shortstop. Shortstop scooped it up, threw it to first base. And I was there with my glove extended and the ball went right, didn't even touch my glove, right over the glove, right into my eye. And I got knocked out. We called it back then, I got my bell rung. Today they call it Concussion. Okay. Anyway, when I came to, the first face I saw, my dad. My dad. I remember my senior year, I was a punter on my football team for Marine Catholic up in Kentfield. 
And the ball, we were playing a rival school and they snapped the ball and I kicked it. And these guys came in and just took me out. One went high, one went low and just jacked me around. And I got my bell rung again. And when I came to on the field, the first face I saw, guess who? My dad. He was there for my wedding. He was there for my college graduation, my seminary graduation. Flew all the way to Chicago for that one. He was here at my installation. Amazing. Dad was always there for me because family's there. Uh, This Thanksgiving, we were with our girls, and we were going by Lake Tahoe, Tahoe Donner, and I was at a retreat two years ago when I got word that my dad died. And I was pointing out to my girls. I'm like, girls, that's where I was when when Sissy called me. And I remember that feeling at 51. Even though my dad had a long degenerative disease, taking him out, now he was declining for years. We knew he was going to die. But I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I'm orphaned. Dad's not there. It was a hard feeling in my life. Still is. Still is. What this says And what I renew my mind with is this. Yeah, your dad's not there anymore, but I will always be there as your intended and heavenly father. And the best of what dads do or what dads don't do at their worst, compassion, strength, encouragement, guidance, exhortation, love, discipline, teaching, I will never stop doing that for you if you turn towards me. Jesus said this all along as he walked the earth. He kept saying, you want to know the Father? Look at me. I'm him. Come in flesh for you. Look at these verses. Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Maybe you didn't have a dad. and My dad was flawed too, but like I had. God wants to be that intended Father for you. There for you. And I don't care if you're 53 or 80, or 100, we always need an everlasting father. But it gets better. Not only is he a mighty God and a wonderful counselor and an everlasting father, look at this. Jesus promises that he's going to be the prince of peace. In other words, he calms me. He calms me. Prince of peace is two words. And you'll recognize these. I put it up here, I think. Uh, Czar, ruler, shalom. The czar, shalom. The prince of peace. The ruler of peace. The ruler of tranquility. Now may I ask you, is this not what's needed in our country? In our culture? See, when the angels announced the birth of Christ to the shepherds, they stated it as a win-win proposition in Luke chapter 2. They said, glory to God in the highest. God gets glory. It's a win for God. And on earth, you get something too. You get peace. You get peace. Jesus promised a peace that's not in the way the world gives. Uh, The worldly definition of peace, something I've even bought into, control your circumstances. Control your bank accounts. Control your kid's behavior, control your behavior, control your, di- your diet, control your workouts. If everything's, am I the only one like this? If everything's under control, you have peace. Jesus came into a hopeless world. We built that out and said, you know what? I'll give you peace that's otherworldly. He stated it this way. 
I'm going to give it to you not in the way the world gives. I'll give you peace amidst chaos, amidst relational strain, amidst character let down, where you just aren't the person you know you should be. You can still have peace through, in, from Christ. The czar of shalom. Do you need peace in your life? By the way, we've built into our Christmas uh, offerings opportunities for that. Uh, we have this thing coming up. You have an insert called Via Vitare, and it's a uh, half-day seminar. Not even a seminar. It's, it's walking through spiritual guidance and a contemplative experience on a Saturday where you have three hours of tranquility. Now, there's no magic in the room or what we're offering. The magic, if you will, the spiritual power is showing up. And then I'm really excited for this too. Because we've had so much loss in our church, uh, we're offering a service of remembrance on Sunday at 5 o'clock, December 17th. It, it'll be contemplative. We'll have great uh, music off this piano and, and a devotion and candles and just 50 minutes for you to pause and remember. Amidst all the lights and 30 animals, you might be going, but I'm hurting this Christmas. That's what this service is about, to honor the pain of the one you've lost. Don't, don't miss those if, if they help out. So you might be asking as we wrap this up, if this is what Jesus came to bring, why aren't we experiencing it? I'm going to share with you one last verse of this in verse 6. It's so important. Here's why I don't experience peace. There is a, a connected relationship that's proportional between that characteristic and this line. And the government will be on whose shoulders? Who's? Yeah. Listen, I'm just going to give you the secret to humanity. You can't carry all this on your shoulders. You're great people. I know that. I, I've been here 20 years. I admire you. But life is way too much for you. Our times are moving too fast at a pace, and there's too much pressure in life. You've got to make the decision every day. God, I am taking the weight off this and the governing of my life off my shoulders and I'm putting it on yours. So one thing I'm doing in the Christmas season is I'm just getting a blank sheet of paper to start my day and I'm writing, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. I'm putting my prayers under that and saying, this is what I'm trusting you for. This is where I need the supernatural. Here's where I need guidance. Here's where I need peace. Here's where I need a dad to hold me tenderly. I'm putting my day, my calendar, my relationships, my character on your shoulders. Because, uh, you know, we have a savior and it's not me. So my question for you is, where will you look to for hope in the next 30 days? Do you really think getting that present or getting the right tree or having the right relationship will deeply, deeply satisfy you? You know, you know it won't. Jesus comes to you and says, yeah, you're cursing government. And yeah, you're cursing me. I'm not going to curse back because I'm not that kind of God. I'm going to give you promises and I'm going to give you more than a promise. Are you ready? And we're going to pray. I'll give you myself. And your sin won't put me off. Your shame won't put me off. Your character won't turn me away. I'm here to love you. Let me be your governor. 
your czar, Shalom, your hero, God, your wonderful counselor. Let me be your everlasting father. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you so much for the promises in it. Father, I know there's people here like me. We're, we're clinging to this because it seems like the darkness is winning. But we're going to cling in faith. We're going to believe you. And we're going to ask for some Emmanuelism in these next 30 days for you to show up and show off. Not just in our lives, but in our community, in our streets, in our schools, in our country. That light would shine because your people are here. We love you and we thank you. I pray blessing over my sisters and brothers. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Thank you so much for listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We believe you're here for a reason, and we would love to connect with you more. Our campuses are located in Redwood City, California. You can find us online at wearepcc.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for WeRPCC. Our Christmas Eve services are coming up, and we would love to see you there. We have a 10 a.m. traditional service, and our contemporary services are 4, 6, and 8 p.m. All campuses will be meeting at our Farm Hill campus for Christmas Eve so we can all celebrate the birth of Christ together. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great week.